Hello, this is the Order of the Mustard Seed podcast, and I'm your host, Jill Weber. Well, I am here with a woman that I really enjoyed getting to know this year uh, in some of our Order of the Mustard Seed prayer watches. Uh, her name is Catherine Hill. And um, Catherine, I would love if you could just tell us a little bit about yourself, where you live, about your family. Uh, yeah. Lovely. I would. Well, it's so great to be with you, Jill. Thank you um, for inviting me. And yeah, I'm Catherine Hill. I'm married to Richard. Uh, we've been married for ooh, nearly 35 years now. So um, clocking up the anniversaries <laughs> and um, we have four children. Um, three of them are married. Um, and uh, the fourth one is um, up in Leeds. We live in Bristol in England. Um, and we have two little grandchildren um, that are a delight. Uh, we've I've always been told by people who have grandchildren that, um, uh, well, there's a little joke. If we'd known they were so much fun, we'd have had them first. <laughs> so I, uh, they are an absolute delight. So that's been fun. Um, and yeah, and I'm um, a UK director of um, charity. It's a national charity in the UK called Care for the Family. And we offer support and encouragement um, to families um, across the board. Wonderful. So talk to me. Why the OMS? What drew you to joining a lay ecumenical religious order? Like. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think it was a couple of years ago now. I felt God just gently prompting me. We went to um, one of the summer Christian festivals um, in England called New Wine. And there was a guy called John Mark Comer um, from Portland, Oregon. Uh, many people listening may have heard him speak, but he began speaking about spiritual formation. And it was, it was, I just felt like I had come home. I thought this makes so much sense. This is what I've been looking for. Um, that verse in Matthew um, in the message where it says, um, walk with me, work with me. Um, and it, Jesus talks about find the unforced rhythm of grace. And I'm, I'm quite an activist. I like getting stuff done. Um, I've got quite a lot of energy but there was also something quite deep within me that was longing for something more contemplative, more um, more of a rhythm of life, really. Um, exactly what Jesus was talking about in that passage. And so I began thinking about it. And then, Jill, I just became I came across a little tweet from Pete Gregg about the OMS and about him <laughs> taking his vows. I thought, what is this? So looked into it. Then in Bristol, we, uh, Richard and I, have met with the, another couple called Silas and Annie. We've we've met with them for nearly twenty years now. Um, just once a fortnight, have a meal together, pray, laugh, cry, do life together. And one afternoon, I thought I'm going to look into the OMS. And I don't often have an afternoon to do something like that, but I didn't have much time. I thought I will. So I read up all about it. They came around that evening for a meal and just as they were leaving, they said, oh, guys, we've just found out about this thing, the order of the mustard seed. So I was like, oh, I don't believe this. So we began, the four of us together, to think about it and ended up um, being in the same cohort and taking our vows last October 
Um, and it, I can absolutely say it's been one of the best things ever, particularly during this difficult season of lockdown. It's just been an amazing anchor, actually. So, yeah, that's the story. Wonderful. I would love to hear from you a little bit more about um, how has it been helpful over COVID? How has it been helpful in lockdown to, to, I guess, have a little bit of when we talk about, you know, the order of the mustard seed and our rule of life, it gives us a little bit of um, some structure and some shape and, and a, and a a support as well in terms of a we call a community of shared practice. So how how has it been helpful for you specifically? And in, in, in yeah, in what way? Well, I think one of the analogies that's often given is for a rule of life to be like a trellis that holds up a, a plant. So it gives maybe it's a vine or a rose or whatever, and it's the structure that enables the plant to grow and to flourish and to bear fruit and so I have found the OMS has been that trellis for me and particularly one of the key things has been the first prayer watch in the mornings so that began right at the beginning and if you had told me and I know my husband would have said if you had told him that he would have got up at seven o'clock every morning (laughs) consistently for all this time to meet with other people around the world and to pray um I don't, I think, what? But it has been wonderful. So much so that, I mean, we've just wanted to get up every morning and do it. I think we've learned different ways of praying. We've learned a real richness of relationship. Um, the fact that you can be there and there can be somebody from Afghanistan, someone from um, South Africa, people from all over the world um, who I feel I know and love, and yet we've only ever seen each other on Zoom. And I think for our day, that's begun that day well because lockdown has been so hard for Mm. so many and it's just provided um a bit of structure um stopped every day just feeling groundhog day the same (laughs) and um and brought life it's brought something um to to take with us into the day and in this recent season of lent been trying to uh jump into some of the other ones and just the sort of multiply that a bit more in my own life but yeah that's that's been fantastic yeah I love the I, I mean all the watches are great but the I guess the morning one is where many of us have anchored I think this Wednesday we were had like 31 people from seven countries and we were being led by the team from South Africa so it's just yeah it was good fun wasn't it <laughs> So good. So wonderful good. community of prayer and mission. So, so talk to me of all of the, we were talking a little bit before we pushed the record button of which, which practices for you have you been kind of leaning into and growing into and God been stretching you into. Sounds like all of them have been a good grow and a stretch for you. Um, but I'd love for us to talk a little bit about uh, what does mission look like in your life? Because it doesn't look like going to the jungles of Bora Bora and, you know, um, you know, preaching the gospel in, in, you know, on some desert island somewhere. What does mission look like for you? Well, when we were meeting in our year of preparation in our cohort, we were going through the different vows. And um, I said, oh, I'm not sure I really do much uh, mission because exactly I had that in mind that I had to go off to some far flung distant land um, and or at least be doing something that in my very narrow little um, box looked like mission. And then one of the guys in our uh, cohort said, Catherine, 
you work for a mission organization, <laughs> care for the family. What do, what do you think you're doing? And I thought, oh, yes. And it was just a little light bulb moment. And just because it's part of my life and I and I do it day in and day out, it's part of what gets me up out of bed in the morning. I had forgotten, really, or just hadn't put two and two together. So that's been a real delight to realize that the synergy really between the um the order of the mustard seed practices and what i was already doing as well as discovering new things uh, to do so, so talk yeah. to me about what mission looks like in your day-to-day life in the context of, of care for the family okay so way back i used to be a family lawyer and i saw then the heartbreak of when family life doesn't work out as people had hoped it would, you know, so many stories every day of shattered dreams, broken lives. And um, I stopped doing that when we had our four children. But then I just felt God give me a bit of a vision of how family life could be. And, you know, it doesn't have to be like that. Um, Of course, it's not possible. And it's not even sometimes desirable to save every relationship. But nevertheless, I just realized there was so much that could be done um, to build family life. And at that time, I wrote a letter to uh, a guy called Rob Parsons, who is the chairman and founder of the organization Care for the Family. And I just said, dear Mr. Parsons, are there any jobs? But I never, ever posted it. (laughs) And then about, oh, probably a few weeks later, um, maybe a couple of months later, um, I bumped into someone in a in a coffee queue. It's a much longer story than this, but it was the kind of God's fingerprints all over it. And he asked me if I wanted to come and work for Care for the Family. Someone had given me my name. So (laughs) (laughs) and I said no. (laughs) I said, I'm far too busy. I'm involved with our church and I've got four children. And then I remembered the letter. I remembered also that morning I prayed for a divine appointment and I thought, oh, okay. (laughs) So I went to Care for the Family's office and um, a minute I set foot in the door, I thought, oh, this is me. There was something in me that I just knew um, this was what I was meant to be doing. It was a full-time job and I ended up doing it one day a week to start with. I mean, the whole thing made no sense. Um, And anyway, now I'm on the leadership team and mission looks like the fact that Care for the Family is a Christian organisation, but a lot of our resources we write for everybody, for the church to use in the local community. So they are stuffed full of kingdom values, but they don't necessarily have Bible verses on each page, and they can be used in a school, in a prison, in any community setting. And as well as that, then we provide resource for the church. And again, in a missional way, wanting to strengthen and build family life. And we talk about being the fence around the top of the cliff rather than the ambulance at the bottom. So we try and work in the area of um, preventative care. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But we are there for, for people in crisis as well. And we, we do lots to do with marriage and couple relationships. We have um, lots to do with parenting. So specific things for single parents, for parents of children with additional needs. And then we have a whole um, uh, project as well for bereavement, which just at the moment is so needed. But specifically, we work with parents who've lost a child and someone who's been widowed early in life. So, yeah, that's what the sort of big picture missional um, piece looks like and I have a specific role in that which is leadership of the organization and then I write and speak on family issues so 
Wonderful. So, so, I mean, so needed right now, right? Oh. If we look at the mm-hmm. landscape and uh, COVID, husbands and wives, I mean, if, if, if you've got fault lines in your marriages and then all of a sudden you're locked in a house together for months at a time, you know, it, it, I'm sure that, that it, it, it's just been so challenging for, for marriages, for families, for children right now. What are the needs that you're seeing out there and how, how are you guys addressing reaching into those places of need? Okay, you're so right. I mean, I often say it's like uh, the COVID has put a magnifying glass on our family life. And so the bad stuff is just even more challenging. Some of the good stuff has become better, but the longer it has gone on. um, I love that phrase you just said about the fault lines. It's so true. So we have seen such an increase just before speaking to you now I was on our um, we pray um, for people who come in who phone the organization in need and that list is just growing every day and a lot to do with um, couple relationships marriages that have just really really struggling um, under the pressure Um, And then also in relation to children and mental well-being, uh, just such a rise in parents really concerned about their children's levels of anxiety. Happy-go-lucky children suddenly now, well, not suddenly, but over time have just become sad and listless and anxious. And parents then are anxious about that Um, and obviously supporting those who have been bereaved and not able to grieve in the, the normal way because of lockdown. So um, so we're trying to provide resources to reach out in all those situations. Um, uh, traditionally, Care for the Family would go around the country with our uh, events, but we've had to learn quickly doing online events. And again, the hand of God in this has been amazing in that we moved to a new office uh, in January a year ago uh, with a new recording studio, um, new auditorium. And so we were on the front foot and able just to try and record resources and get them out. But it's been a very steep learning curve. Um, So we've got podcasts, um, online events, uh, books, and just when people can phone into our care line and have a listening ear and be signposted um, for support. And then all our other projects are obviously continuing as well, helping helping families. Great. And so one of those projects, I guess this is where your mission and your creativity piece come together. You talked about you being a writer. And so you've got a book coming out soon, I guess on March the 19th. So talk to us about that and your dreams and your aspirations, what you think God might want to do through that fruit of your creativity. Okay, Um, so it's called A Mind of Their Own, um, and uh, the subtitle is um, uh, Building Your Child's Emotional Wellbeing in a Post-Pandemic World. Uh, So it hits the nail on the head in terms of, I think, what parents, many, many parents are really struggling um, to to work out how to help their their children at the moment. And this is toddlers right through to, to teenagers. So I think most of us, certainly in the UK, and I, I think this is true around the world, but certainly UK stats were that so many young people were struggling already with um, men, with their mental well-being. And as we were saying before, the pandemic has just made this a hundred times worse. And so um, the book is, uh, it aims to give preventative support to parents, how to build your child's emotional well-being 
from the beginning, uh, how to build resilience. And um, it's got loads of stories in it. And um, at the end of every chapter, it's got some practical activities that you can do with, with your children, um, sort of ideas to do, and then a family activity together. It's got some brilliant cartoons that um, a guy called David McNeil has done that really, really make you laugh. But it's grounded in um, science and it's got the, the brain development of Rob Waller, Dr. Rob Waller from the Mind and Soul Foundation has kindly written the forward. And, um, and it's also got kingdom principles throughout it. And it ends on talking about identity and how for our children, that's, that's what we want. We want them to know their God-given identity. And just that as parents, there is we have everything to play for. The, the best learning place is the home. And there is so much that we can do um, to build that identity in our children. So I, my dream is that it gives confidence and hope um, to parents. You know, in the, um, we often talk about the generation who lived through the Second World War. We don't talk about them as the lost generation, yeah. but we talk about them as the resilient and resourceful generation. And I really believe that um, God can use this really difficult time um, to build resilience in our children. And I, and I think parents got a really key role to play in that. Wonderful. Well, I'm just going to be a bit cheeky and... Give us three tips for building resilience in your children. Okay. Number one, um, I would say um, is, and this is something I really find hard. Don't jump straight in to make life fine for them. And it, as a parent, we're hardwired to protect our children. I don't know if people have heard about the helicopter parent who yeah. swoops in and makes everything okay, or there's one called the snowplow parent. So you go ahead and you sweep the sweep the road clean. And I want to do that. The number of times I have driven across town with forgotten football kit or ingredients <laughs> or a lemon meringue pie or something. And actually, the times I haven't done it, our kids have done fine. So I think the... Wait a second. Were they okay all by themselves? They were okay <laughs> all by themselves. Uh, and now, they knew that they could then handle that situation. Yes, exactly. And Interesting. Exactly. Um, so, and I think, you know, we're sometimes allowing our children um, to experience a little bit of discomfort, um, that's the very place where they learn resilience, where they learn to be able then to do it better the next time and the next time. You know, we, I certainly as a parent, I, I often think pain is a bad thing and I try and eliminate it from our children's lives. Um, but actually, that's the very place. The valley is so often the place where they learn stuff. And of course, it's got to be appropriate. And we don't want them to be going through desperate times. But um, that would be the number one thing would be um, just allowing them sometimes to work out their own solutions, not leaping in to fix it. And I'm talking to myself as I say this, even with our adult children. Now. <laughs> <laughs> and so the other two then? I would say... Um, Oh, gosh, now which ones to pick? Um, being that listening and uh, listening to our children and providing that empathetic ear. It's so hard when they're teenagers to find the time to do that. But teenagers best find um, their times to chat when you're not, when you haven't got them in a corner. Um, so when you, if you're in the car or sitting next to each other side by side, not you know, eyeballing them straight ahead um, and just allowing them um, to talk about how they feel 
um, about life, um, listening, and again, not leaping in with our best advice, and little ones as well. Um, that is that is possible as well. Um, just allowing them to just chat about you know how they feel. Um, talking, talking, and listening. Um, it's some of the basic stuff. Eye contact. Um, uh, yeah, that would be a good one. Um, now, which one shall I choose? This book is stuffed full of things. Um, <laughs> I would say one of the big things would be one of the big lessons about well-being. Um, so a lot of the chapters have got it's okay to, so I've got it's okay to fail. Um, and I think one of the ones I love is it's okay to be ordinary. So we live in a world where there are talent shows for everything, even falling in love, um, cooking, dancing, and not everyone can be the best. We ne they need to be the best them. You know, this is about their own identity. Um, and so I think giving them that message that, you know, they don't have to strive and be be the best at everything. They they need to be the best them um, and just helping them discover that identity um, is really, that would be really important. Um, and just one other little extra thing just on the digital age in that, um, <clears throat> so I've written a book called Left to Their Own Devices, which, and this, this just runs throughout the book, the pressure that they're under um, to, and it, that links in with the being ordinary thing really, to um, measure their worth and their identity by how many, <clears throat> their value, by how many likes they have, how many followers they have. Um, and again, as parents, we can help them with that and help them have a different story. Wonderful. Oh, Catherine, that is so great. So that's coming out. What's the name of the book again? It's called A Mind of Their Own. Um, right. And then it's Building Your Child's Emotional Wellbeing in a Post-Pandemic World. And it's um, yeah, you can get it from Care for the Family. You can get it from good bookshops and um, Muddy Pearl Publishers, Jill, I know you write for Yeah, us. I know. We love Muddy Pearl. <laughs> so you can get it also from, from Muddy Pearl. Wonderful. Oh, Catherine, it's been so good. Just so helpful to hear how you... Um, you know, we're just on your own personal journey for really for a way of life that works and a little bit of that trellis, that framework to help you flourish in the place of God's planting, which for you, of course, is, is in care for the family. And, and I love when you had that moment, that connection moment of like, oh, yeah, I am on mission. This is my mission field. <laughs> I just think that's amazing. And I, you know, my, my prayer for all of us is that we had that moment. We realized we, we have been planted somewhere. We are the planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor, wherever that is, whatever that context is. And that's our mission field. That's where he's put us. And so love to see you flourishing in that space and, and then creating spaces in the context of that for families to flourish. So I'm wondering, as we finish off, could you pray for our listeners and maybe help our listeners pray for families in this time of recovery from the effects of COVID? I would love to do that, Jill. Wonderful. Let's pray. Oh, Father, thank you so much. Um, for your hand on our lives, each one of us. Thank you that you have good plans and purposes for us. And Lord, thank you that that mustard seed, the tiniest of all the seeds, and yet it becomes one of the largest plants where um, the birds can perch in its shade. And thank you for each one of us that you have planted um, that seed of the gospel in us. 
And Lord, it will look different for each one of us, different expressions of um, the vows. But I pray for each one of us listening. Um, and I pray that you would help us um, to be intentional about putting ourselves in the places where that seed will grow and flourish and bear fruit. And Lord, we pray uh, for the families of the nations. Father, thank you that family is the place where you design us to um, to flourish in relationship with others. It's the place where we know how to um, love and to be loved. We learn all those skills from li for living. And I just pray right at the moment for all families who are really struggling during this difficult season. And I pray, Father, that you would give strength, that you would give hope, that you'd help them to keep their eyes above the above the water, that they'd look to you and that you would be the God of hope to them. And Lord, that you would help each one of us in our own way, just reach out to families we know who need help, that we would be um, the repairer of broken walls. We would be the restorer of streets with dwellings. So Father, thank you for your great purposes for us. And I pray that whatever stage we're at on um, this journey, that you'd help us to walk that unforced rhythm of grace with you. Thank you that your purposes are good. We thank you and we bless you, Jesus, in your name. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us for this episode of the Order of the Mustard Seed podcast. For more information about the Order, you can find us at orderofthemustardseed.com or on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter. May God grant us grace as we follow his invitations to be true and to be kind and to go. Amen.